Let's open our Bibles to Matthew 6, and um, as we go there, you're going to say, well, Pastor Joe, this is a passage we were in like three weeks ago. Some of you are like, we were three weeks ago? On that? Uh, Matthew 6 is going to be our, our passage this morning, and uh, I want to read verses 25 through 34. It's going to be familiar to us. It's a passage of scripture that, like I said, we looked at a couple weeks ago as we were talking about our Don't Fear series, or Fear Not series. And um, I want to talk about the future again, because many times when we have fear, it's about the unknown. It's about the future. So this week, we're going to focus on the future. Next week, we're actually going to focus on the past and how God has intervened in your life in the past. And uh, tonight at four o'clock, we have our radical mentoring, men's mentoring time. And uh, one of the assignments that we did as guys is uh, we took the timeline of our life and um, we shared it with each other. And we shared the timeline of the events that happened in our lives. And right to the point of where we got saved in Jesus Christ. And then we looked at how God worked before we were saved in our lives. And how God worked after we were saved in our lives. After Jesus Christ was in our life. And it's amazing that we can see Christ in both. We can see God work before we're saved, and we can see God work after we're saved. We can see God saving, our, saving us from ourselves or from something that was going to happen or allowed us to go through something that later on he uses again in our life to draw us to himself. And uh, as we went through the timelines, it was interesting to see how God worked. He was consistent in everybody's timeline. He was there, but how he worked differently in each timeline. And what the struggles are for each of us. And, and what the struggles are for us to understand and, and be confident in the fact that God is sovereign. And if God is sovereign, then he is in control and we can trust him. We can walk with him every day. We can take up our cross every day because what are the odds God's going to be faithful? If he's been faithful in the past, he's faithful in the present, what are the odds he will be faithful in the future? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So as, even though this is a familiar passage, even though a lot of what I'm going to say in the first part of this is going to overlap what we talked about before when we talked about fear in the future. And, and we're going to kind of hit on fear again because it's kind of a big topic. How many of you have heard the word fear in the last week? Right? If we're honest about it, we've heard it. Well, I'm afraid what's going to happen over in Ukraine. Is that fair? I'm afraid China's going to invade Taiwan. You heard that one? Uh, I, I'm afraid the U.S. economy is about to crash. Right? So we're being bombarded with fear. And I don't think it's a bad thing for us to really stop and take some inventory and say, all right, let's deal with this fear thing. All right? So in a moment, I'm going to have Micah and some, one of our ushers. They're going to hand you a piece of paper. And everybody in the auditorium is going to get a piece of paper. If you're watching at home, you get a piece of paper. You're going to need it. Needs to be clean on the front and the back, all right? And uh, in a moment, I'm going to give you an exercise to do here together. And we're going to do a little experiment. And uh, you're going to help me out with it. At the end, i got an object lesson to go with our experiment here. So as they hand that out, I'm going to read the passage of Scripture for us together. And it says this in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, 
Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of your life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little... What's it say? He's calling us out as people with little faith. Therefore, because of these facts, because of what you just read, therefore, do not be anxious saying what, we shall, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. So this is the first sermon in a series of sermons that we're going to call Love Reigns. And we're going to be challenging ourselves to follow the love of God and how it reigns in this sermon in the future, next week in the past. The next week, I'm actually gone and you're going to have a guest speaker. Um, and then the Easter week, we're going to look at how God reigns today where we live in the present and how he rules and reigns in our hearts to lead us and guide us into what he wants us to do. And uh, Jesus was a very present person uh, as he was on earth. He was in people's lives. He was impacting people's lives for the better and sometimes for the worse. Remember the rich young ruler, he walked away depressed. Why? He had a lot of stuff. And he couldn't give that up for a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then Easter Sunday, we'll talk about how the love of God reigned and ruined Easter for certain people in the Easter story. I don't think it worked out too well for Pilate. I don't think it worked out too well for Herod. I don't think it worked out too well for the crowd that yelled crucify him. And uh, the centurions definitely didn't work out too well for them who were trying to guard the, the tomb of Jesus Christ. Um, but on the flip side... It's a great rejoicing for those of us who are saved. And, uh, and it allows love to reign over Easter and gives us a reason to celebrate. So, how many of you remember last week I had a, a, a magic eight ball here? Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Had the magic eight ball. By the way, the birth of the magic eight ball was in 1950. So some of you thought it was my generation thing. No, we stole it from you. Um, 1950... Hasbro and Mattel worked together to formulate the Magic 8-Ball. And uh, we talked about how we can shake the 8-Ball. And, you know, when I was in middle school, it told me if I was going to pass my test or not. I knew which girl to ask out to different events at school because of the Magic 8-Ball. And uh, I knew what job I was supposed to take because of the Magic 8-Ball. And uh, that Magic 8-Ball proved to be wrong on pretty much everything I ever asked it. Uh, but they came out in 1950, and... It was the rave because people were always interested in the future. People are interested. They don't like to make decisions. How many don't like to make a decision? Decision making is hard. 
Because with every decision, there are consequences. They might be good consequences. You make a good decision, you get good consequences. Make a bad decision, you get bad consequences. You make a neutral decision, you still have consequences. You either miss an opportunity or you take advantage of an opportunity. But regardless of life, we are afraid of the future because we don't control it. Think about this. What can you control in the future? Is a half million dollar retirement enough today? How about 1.7 million? Is that enough today? I just saw Warren Buffett just invested in something this past week and invested $1.7 billion of his resources into that. I'm thinking, Warren, how old are you, dude? What return are you going to get on that? 1.7, you don't care. What is money? It's a tool. What is the value of money, by the way? Ask Russia that today, right? What's a ruble worth? Not what it was a couple weeks ago. What's their economy like today? Not what it was a couple weeks ago. So, you know, we place value on things. But it's interpretive value. And when we look at the future, we say, well, based on today's dollar, I got enough to retire. But the problem with that is what? What is tomorrow's dollar worth? What is the future dollar worth? Will the dollar be around in the future? That's a problem for America, if that's the case. You know what? We can worry about these things or we can what? We can give them to God. We can say, God, I don't know what the future holds, but I, I know you hold the future. And God, I'm going to place the future in your hands. I'm going to trust you. And we spent a lot of time talking about that in, in our recent series. So I want to start out with talking about the future when it comes to understanding the future, how the future works. And that is this, we are given the command not to worry about the future. Don't worry. Stop worrying. Can you change the future? Does a flower worry about its future? Does a bird worry about its future? I saw there's a huge eagle's nest out by my house. And as I'm driving on a dirt road, I can see the eagle's nest up in the tree. And the eagles are back in there now. And they're just soaring all around our area looking for food, looking for cats and whatever else they find, I guess. And uh, farm cats. And, uh, you know, they're out flying around looking for food, but I look at their nest every time I drive by, and you know what I don't see? Stores piled up inside the nest, sticking up outside the nest. Why? Because God takes care of the eagles. He takes care of them. He provides for them. He guides them to where food is. A moment ago, I had a piece of paper that was handed out to everybody here in the auditorium. And I want you to take that piece of paper right now, and I need you to get a, a pen or pencil out. And if you need one, we have some in the back. You raise your hand, and we'll get you a pen. And um, I want you to take a moment this morning, and I want you to take that piece of paper and the pen or pencil in your hand, and I, wanna, I want you to write down on the front side of that piece of paper the biggest thing, the biggest thing you are worried about today. The biggest thing that you worry about today, I want you to take out that piece of paper and a pen, and I want you to literally write that on your piece of paper this morning. So, you know, you, you, you can't get it there by osmosis. It's going to take some effort. 
You're going to have to write it on the piece of paper. Some of you got to swallow pride and say, okay, I'm going to write down what I'm worried about. You can hide it from the person next to you. This is an individual sport, not a team sport. So this is what you're worried about, not what your wife worries about. That would be a lot longer list, I'm sure. And for the wise, it's not your husband's list because that would probably be maybe even longer than yours. And I want you to write down, if it's finances, write down finances. If it's family, write down family. If it's your job, write down your job or what aspect of your job you're worried about. And I want you to just take a moment and write that down on the piece of paper. If you don't have a piece of paper or a pen, just raise your hand, they'll get you one. So, all right, you got it written down? Now I want you to take that piece of paper, I want you to fold it, and I want you to stick it in your Bible, or if you're using your phone this morning, just slip it behind your phone as you're holding your phone going through the Bible. And I want you just to hang on to that piece of paper. We're going to need it at the end of the service now, okay? So you just hang on to that, put it in your Bible, forget about it for now. It's nobody else's business anyway, this is yours. So I just tuck it in your Bible, and I want us to go back to Matthew chapter 6, and look with me at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither snow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Are you more valuable than the birds today? You are. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of your life? Don't you wish you could do that sometimes? I think the closer you get to the older part of your life, people go one or two ways. They either start wishing hours away or they start wishing they had more hours. It's interesting. They go one or two ways. It's not universal. So even though this passage of scripture was nearly written 2,000 years ago, this is what's cool about scripture, right? Even though it was written 2,000 years ago, God knew what you were going to struggle with today. So he put it in scripture. He placed it in his word for the generation of the church age to come along. And as they're going through their life, worrying about things that they can't control, God knew human beings would be so predictable that he could put in his word universal truths for us to go to. And we could stand on those truths and we could claim those truths and have victory in this present time in the area of worry. It also shows me that human nature is to gravitate towards anxiety when it comes to future things. So is it a surprise that people worry about the future? Is it a surprise that the most studied portion of scripture right now in our present time is not the church age? It's not the Old Testament. Guess what the most studied portions of scripture are right now today? Prophecy. You know why? We want to know what's going to happen. And because we don't know, we try to find out. And we use our ways to find out. But I want you to realize something this morning, that regardless of what your thoughts are about the future, regardless your interpretation of Scripture in the future, and regardless of the fact that you might or might not know what's going to happen in the future, there is still one thing that's true today, and that is this. God sees you right where you are. God sees you right where you are. He knows your uprising. He knows your downsitting. He knows what's going on in your life right now. Did he know what was going on in your life in the past? Yeah, we're going to prove that 
in the weeks ahead. Does he know what's going on in your life right now? Yeah, we're going to prove that in the weeks to come. But guess what he also knows? He also knows your future. And he also knows how to direct your path to get you to where you need to be for his will. Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about daily needs. Don't worry about daily wants. The reason he gives is because our lives are made up of more than just physical desires and needs. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you worried about your spiritual future? We don't worry about that. Why? Who's got it? God's got it, right? And why am I going to worry about it if God has it? So theologically speaking, spiritually speaking, we understand that our future is sealed in Jesus Christ because we're in the family of God. If you're not in the family of God, guess what you worry about? Your eternal future. Am I going to spend time in heaven or hell? So man's way of thinking is, well, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds and my good thoughts outweigh my bad thoughts, then then somehow in God's celestial spiritual scale, he'll weigh my good deeds against my bad deeds. And if the good deeds outdo my bad deeds, then made it. But if not, now I've got to do something to change the course and trajectory of my life so that I can outweigh the good with the bad. And, and it's just chaos. And you're, there's all kinds of points there to worry about. But Christians don't worry about the future spiritually because we, can I say it out loud? Because we trust God. Right? Because we trust God about our eternal future, we don't worry. So what does that mean about the physical future? If we worry about that, who are we not trusting? And who's trying to control it? And in whose hands is it? See, this is the problem we have. And this is why in the portion of scripture we just read, God calls us out. Oh, you of little, strong words. You trust me for the eternal, but you don't trust me with the temporal. I got it. That's what God's saying. The flowers don't question me about the temporal. Why? They know God has it. The birds of the air don't question God about the temporal. Why? Because they know God has it. But man questions God about the temporal. Why? Because they lack faith. Because we lack faith. And this is the crux of where we live in the world today. The reason the world is so worried about what's going to happen in the future is they don't have faith in God. How many of you think the media has faith in God? So the media doesn't have faith in God. What side of the, what side of the coin are they going to err on? Worry, fear, we got to fix this. But if you watch Christian media, and if you watch Christian teachers, they don't worry about the future in the physical or in the spiritual realm. Why? Who's got it? So am I going to worry about things that I can't control? No. Who am I going to pray to and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here, but I trust you. I know you got this. Do you think God's going to turn his back on the church? Do you think God's not going to follow through in what he says in his word he will do? If we do what he's called us to do? 
And you see, this is the crux of what Easter is all about. Man doubted the ability of God. I know what Genesis 3.15 says, but we were looking for a king. Where's our king? We want a redeemer. Where's our redeemer? And they're looking at the what? The physical. What was God looking at? The spiritual. And because we look at the physical more than the spiritual, we get out of whack with what God's word says. And we get out of, we, our gyro gets off. We get off step a little bit because we begin to look at the temporal more than we do the eternal. And because of that, we begin to doubt God. We begin to doubt God because we don't see in a physical way how this is going to work out for God's glory. So we begin to manipulate it. How many of the disciples thought by Jesus dying, they would be liberated? None of them. When he said, I came to die, they all were like, now come on, Jesus, stop talking weird. They even questioned him on the fact, well, why would you, how does dying help us in any way? Today we ask the question, if Christ didn't die, how would we be helped out in any way? See the difference? So if Christ is with us today, if God sees us where we are today and he knows our tomorrow, then what should we worry about? Right? Nothing. This is the last two lessons we looked at in the Fear Not series, isn't it? I love what Jeremiah says. He says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not evil, to give you a what? Future, is that past or present? It's neither. It's not past, it's not present, it's in front of us. So if you have a future, and not only does it give you a future, but what's it give you with that future? Confidence. So not only do I control the future, but you can be confident in what I'm doing in the future, that it's going to be what? For your welfare... And not for evil. Sometimes I think we think God's in heaven like, how can I mess their lives up today? What evil thing can I do to them and make them pay for their sin? Um, All the payment for sin was taken care of, wasn't it? When Jesus died once for all, it was once for all. So I don't think God's in heaven doing that. But what he is doing is he is in heaven orchestrating the events of our lives for his glory and for his good. Is God going to put his children in impossible scenarios from the world's perspective and then deliver them out of that so that he gets glory? Could God do that? Does God do that? Will God do that? Yeah. We see that in the past. We see that in the present of the Bible. We see it in the future of the Bible in in prophecy that that happens. God has a preferred future that he longs for every single one of his believers to live in. We experience it when we begin to let go of trying to control everything in our lives and simply submit to following his lead when? In the future. No, today. Every day we take up our cross and what? Follow him. If we're following Christ, who knows the way? Who knows the truth? And who holds the life? And who knows the way to the Father? 
And who knows the way we should go? And who knows what we need before we know we need it? So every day we can take up the cross of Jesus Christ and we can live confidently in this world, regardless of what's going on around us, that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. For his glory. For his name. So what about when we come to a point of decision? You ever come to a point of decision? Lord, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Lord, do you really want this to happen or don't you want this to happen? God, what is your will in this scenario? You been there? How do you discern what God's will is in those times? I'm going to give you something very practical today. Three questions to ask. In any situation you find yourself in, there are three questions you can ask and God will give you discernment in these areas. Sometimes he might say, wait, that, that's a problem for us, right? Because we are not a wait generation. We're, we're kind of uh, the old Burger King slogan. I want it my way right away, right? But my life verse, Isaiah 40, 31, I love it because it tells me what I need to do. They that wait on the Lord will, oh, see right there at the beginning of the verse, he ruins it, right? They that, oh, I hate waiting. How many of you like waiting? I'm the guy in the supermarket that sees three lines and it's like, I'm evaluating. Okay, which one can I get through quicker? And then I go get in a line. I'm like, oh, that one's moving faster. So I jump out of line, run over there, get in that line. And no, that line's going quick. And I'm the guy, I'll jump all over the place trying to get out quick. And I think in the end, I probably was there longer than anybody else that was standing in line. But in my brain, I was faster. But again, we want to control things, don't we? We want to have control. We want to manipulate it. And God says, I already have plans for you. I already know what's going to happen in your life. The problem is you won't trust me with it. You won't yield yourself to me. You want control, have control. Did God give Israel control of their destiny at times? We want a king. All the other nations have a king. Why can't we have a king? We want a king. Well, I'm your king. Well, we don't like you, God. We want an earthly king. You're a heavenly king. We know you're a heavenly king. So we want our own king. Well, if you take a king, he's going to take your children, your money, your finances. He's going to send them to war. He's going to kill some of them. He's going to do all kinds of things to them. That's okay, God. We want a king. What did God do? Gave him a king. And what did the children of Israel do? He's taking all our stuff. God says what? Told you so. I had a theocracy plan, but you want a monarchy. You got your monarchy. Now you want your theocracy back. So here's the three questions, right? When you run into an opportunity to do something or you have a decision to make, the first question you ask is, number one, does this opportunity align with Scripture? Does this opportunity align with Scripture? Will God ever present to you an opportunity that goes against his word? Now, let me ask the flip side of the question. Would Satan ever offer you an opportunity that goes contrary to God's word? Garden of Eden, right? So does this opportunity align with scripture? Is this decision going to make me compromise my belief, my testimony, or my standing in front of other people? It's a fair game, right? Number two, will this opportunity make me more like Jesus and glorify God? 
Will this opportunity make me more like Jesus and glorify God? God loves his glory above everything else. So if it's going to rob God of glory in our life, if, if the decision's going to make me not be able to participate in spiritual things that I had plans to participate in, should I do that? Is it going to rob God of glory? Is it going to mar the testimony of Jesus Christ or is it going to enhance it? And then number three, this one's key. Will this opportunity benefit other people? Why is that important? Because if you do it for yourself, what do you have? If you do it for yourself, what's the Bible say you have? You got your reward. So if we make decisions based on our own selfishness, then you got what you got. But if we do the opportunity to benefit others, what happens? Who gets the glory? God does. And what are the odds if God gets the glory and it benefits others and accomplishes his will, what are the odds he's going to allow it? Remember the verse, if you ask anything in my name, I will, I will do it? What does that mean? What does that mean? This is, this is the whole idea. This is the whole principle. God says, if you've got something that you want to do, and it's going to glorify my name, and it's going to benefit others, and I'm going to get the glory, I can do that through you. But if you do it for your own lust, and you do it for your own good, and you do it for your own recognition, then what is it? Why is God going to bless that? Why is God going to work contrary to his word? So will this decision result in blessing other people around us? God is always looking to use willing people to serve others that have a need. He always does that in scripture. This is, I think, is the best indication that something is part of God's plan for your life when it not just benefits you, it benefits other people more than ourselves. And then God gets the glory in it. To discover God's plan for your future is to live into the purpose for which you were born. The, this is the future that we, that we want to experience. Mark Twain said this, two of the most important days of life are the day when you were born and the day you find out why. Because when life has purpose, when life has meaning, when life has a point, you really begin to live then. But if you're aimlessly going through life, aimlessly going through the world with no rudder, you're aimlessly just floating about by the winds of the world today, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. But the two most important days of your life is the day you were born because you got opportunity and the day you find out why, because now you got purpose. And when you have opportunity and purpose, man always thrives. Think about everything you've ever accomplished in your life. When you had opportunity and you had purpose, you achieved it. When you don't have opportunity or you don't have purpose, then you sit back and say, well, that's good for other people, but it's not good for me. And sometimes our own selfishness paralyzes us spiritually. Our future is tied to our purpose and God's plan for our life. You see, God makes the plan. God gives you purpose. And when you have God's plan and God's purpose in your life, what are the odds he's going to get the glory and it's going to be beneficial for others? 
You see how this works? So in the future, as you're looking forward, it's not God, bless me, bless me, bless me. It's God, make me a blessing to somebody else. And in the process of being blessing to others, guess what happens? You get blessed yourself. And many times in ways that you never saw it. So here's the key. Here's the ignition, okay? Here's the new point. Seek God first in your life. Seek God first in your life. You say, this is theologically easy to do. Well, it's very difficult to live. Look at verse 28. God wants priority in our lives. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor do they spin. And yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, what Solomon can do in his own power doesn't compare to what God does in his power. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how many of you like throwing grass in the oven after you mow? Right? What do you do with your clippings? You throw them out for the sun to burn them up, right? For the sun to kill them and then maybe even physically burn them. Which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Because you don't trust me with the temporal. You trust me with the eternal. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Why? Here's the purpose. For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father already what? He already knows. How many of you like doing double work? You know, you do the project and then you realize you did it wrong, so you got to do it again. You take something apart and you go to put it back together and you realize, wait, I got one spare part here probably not good so we rip it all the way back down to put the spare part in that's actually necessary and you put it all back together and then you realize oh no i got another spare part so what do you do you tear it back down again and you read so how many people enjoy doing that double work nobody god says if i've already got it why are you worrying about it that's double work but instead seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And for a long time, I struggled with the concept of this. But I, I found an illustration that I think will help us to, to try to figure this out. So I brought with me a little bit of some toys. I hope I don't break the glass up here. So many times we go about our own lives doing our own thing, right? So I got a jar of sand here, just sand. And this is our life, right? The things that we can accomplish. And God is in heaven saying, I want to add things to your life, right? You're a Christian. I want to begin to add things to your life. So let's call the rocks the blessings of God. Okay? They make noise. It's kind of fun. So God says, here's your life right here. And here are the blessings. And because we have our lives already figured out, planned out, and we're telling God we got it figured out because we're not trusting him. We have little faith. We're trying to do our own temporal planning. And then God comes along and begins to pour into our lives his blessings, right? Pour them in there. Lots of blessings. All right. And God has blessed us immensely. And then God says, I want to give you a big blessing. But as I get older, God wants to bless me a little more. I really don't want to drop it on the glass. 
And then God says, I got another, but you don't have any room. You're blessing doubt. Because you see, you, you have all these plans for yourself and I don't have any room to get the rest of my blessings in your life. Because you filled your life up with all your stuff. And now I just lost one of the blessings. You see the problem? But what if we sought God first? Right? What if we, what if we said, okay, God, I'm going to seek you first. And we put the big blessings in. Imagine the third blessings in there, okay? I have no idea where it went. And then God comes along and says, all right, as you continue to seek me first, I'm going to keep pouring my blessing in. And then as you begin to impart your will and your desire into my life, look what begins to happen. Do you see it? Let's get the rest of the blessings in there too. Right? Sorry, Sue. Let me keep pouring them blessings in. Man, let's shake them blessings up a little bit. Pour a little more in. Do you see what's happening? Not only do I have my desires, but what do I also have? And if I really worked at this hard enough, I'm pretty sure I could get the rest of my desires in with his too. But if I have my desires already set and then I sprinkle a little bit of God into it, I don't have room. It doesn't work. But if I let God be God and I trust him first, this thing is heavy. I can't even tell you how heavy this is. If I allow God to have the first fruits in my life and I put him first, then as the rest of my life begins to, to pour out, as I live the rest of my life, look what happens. I can just keep adding sand. And I can keep adding sand. And I can keep taking the blessings of God in my life. Not because I don't have ro enough room, but I have more than enough room for me to spill around all the blessings he's already given me. That's what this verse says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these what? Clothing, needs, temporal things. You'll have enough room for those too. But if you try to put that stuff first, it ain't going to fit in your jar. Your life isn't going to be able to contain it all. You're going to miss out on God's blessings because they're going to fall out of your life. But if you seek God first and his blessings, then when he pours into your life, guess what? There's more than enough room for you to have it. There it is. A moment ago, I had you write down your biggest worry. Right? So if you're truly going to seek first the kingdom of God today, then the one thing you got to do with that worry is you got to give it back to God. So on the back side of your paper, I want you to write out a prayer. All right, take that piece of paper out. And on the back side of your piece of paper, a couple weeks ago, I shared with you that we should turn our worries into a four-point alliterated thing, right? Do you remember what that was? Thank, tell, thank, trust. So I want you to take on the back of your piece of paper there that thank, tell, thank, trust, and I want you to write out a prayer to God to surrender that back to him. Give that worry back to God and let it go and leave it with him. Because you know what? Does he care? 
Is he able? Is he willing? Here's the key. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? That's the exercise today. Because when we see God first, we live a life with humility. And that's what we become known for before God. It's not that we need preeminence. It's he takes preeminence. needs don't worry about your future God's got it it's in God's hands and in this writing out this prayer you're placing the future of this worry right where it belongs in the hands of God let go let God The Bible tells us to redeem our time wisely. We read in Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. One of the wisest things that we can learn as Christians is how we can cast all our care on him because he cares for us. Does that include our worries? Does that include our problems? Does that include our shame? Absolutely. And studying about the numbering of our days as you're writing out your prayer to God here, I just want to share a, a, a story. Back in 1988, okay, this is when this survey was done. In 1988, so this is almost pre-cell phone days even, being cognizant of how we use our time, six months we will spend sitting at a stoplight. Six months of your life sitting at a stoplight in your lifetime. Four years doing housework. Four years of your life. We will spend five, this one's more than more for me, okay? We will spend five years waiting in line. Mine's longer because I pick the wrong line all the time. We will spend six years eating of your life. Six years. Some of us spend more time at that than others. And you know what? We never even think about those things. Why? They're not worth worrying about. But yet, if you were really worried about how long you were going to live, wouldn't you worry about those things? But we know who holds our tomorrows, who holds our life, who has the last day of our life. God does. And when we don't worry about those things, we are free to live life to its fullest for the glory of God and the good of others, because we get ourselves out of the way. And when we get ourselves out of the way, guess who gets in our way? God does. As you live your life, it's important to ask yourself if the places, the time, the energy, the attention, the affection are going, that, that are going on are the most important places that they could possibly go. I've heard it said that the only thing that will matter 100 years from now will be people's relationships with God. None of the things of your business, your family, none of that's going to matter 100 years from now. If this is the case, then we better ensure our futures are focused on God and not on ourselves. So teach us a number of days that we may get a heart of what? If we're looking in the past or we're looking in the present, who are we not focused on? We're not looking forward to God. But if God, who already knows our tomorrows, 
who already knows the way, who already knows the truth and already knows the life, what is there going to be in the pathway that we're not able to accomplish together? Nothing. So when we cast our cares to God, it actually proves that he cares for us. And if we know that we have a God who cares for us, then what do we have to worry about? What do you have to worry about? You can give it to God. And by the way, you don't need a piece of paper to give it to God. The piece of paper is just an object lesson for you today. Number one, it told you you worry. And number two, it told you where you can take your worries and how you can deal with those worries. And I know deep down inside right now, you might not be expressing it on the outside, but for some of us, there was great liberation in doing that exercise, wasn't there? Because it's like, I actually admitted it. I actually, I actually can get by this now. Or I'm going to begin to get past this. Because you know what? The God whom we serve, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God whom we serve, he is able. He's able. We know. I remember as a kid singing that song. Remember that song? Can we sing it together? He's able. He's able. I know he is able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. We could do all the verses and stuff, right? The courses. But we know that song. But do we believe it? Can I cast my care on him? Is he enough? Or do I need to come alongside God and help him out today? No, I don't think so. When we do that, we mess it up. And we mess it up royally. So I want to close in prayer. And as I close in prayer... I want you to take the prayer that's in front of you this morning that you wrote out and I want you to get alone with God as I close us out in prayer. I want you to take time in your own mind and in your own heart and I want you to give God the prayer that you wrote down. I want you to thank him for the things he's done in your life. I want you to tell him what's going on in your life, what this obstacle is in your faith, this faith obstacle. And I want you to lay it down at the feet of Jesus Christ this morning And I want you to thank him for taking it. And then I want you to ask him to help you trust him. Because if you'll do this, you are going to take down one of the giants in your life that are keeping you from having the faith to trust God in this this area of your life. Don't be in the verse, oh, ye of little faith. Instead, be the one that is able to overcome through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'll give you a second to pray and then I'll close us in prayer. Father, I thank you for the exercises today that you are allowing us to to work through mentally and practically along with the theology and the doctrine that were presented today. And Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is quick and it's powerful and it is sharp as a two-edged sword and it does pierce into the heart of man. And Father, this morning I know this exercise penetrates hearts because it penetrated mine when I did it. And Father, when I had to learn to trust you and when I had to learn to cast my fear and my anxiety down at your feet and give it to you and trust you with the future. And Lord, then we don't, then help us not to try to take it back. And Father, our faith is very weak when it comes to temple things. We know that you, you can seal us for eternal life, but we don't trust you for the things that we need every day. We don't trust you that you know our future that you're going to provide in the areas that we need provision. 
And Father, I pray this morning that we can cast these requests to you and that, Father, we can let them go and we can be liberated from the snare that Satan has set before us. And Father, help us to not be so consumed with the things of this world that we miss the truth that you are greater than what this world has to offer. Even in provision, you're able to provide exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. But Father, we have to trust you and it has to be in your will. So Father, thank you for telling us what your will is. Thank you for showing us how to discern what your will is. And Father, help us to take these three truths of your will. How is it going to benefit others? How, how are you going to get glory? And how is this going to, to promote the name of Christ and the testimony of Christ to other people around us, Father? How, how are these things going to benefit others in a way that you get glory? And Father, when we start making decisions based on these things, it's not going to make everybody around us happy, that's for sure. But nor are we ever commanded to do that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But Father, it will bring blessings to our lives. And Father, for that, we can thank you for the lessons that we don't have to learn because we trust you. We can thank you that even when we do go through trials, that we know it's for the good of others and, and for the good of us, and it's going to bring you glory. And we can celebrate even in the midst of a trial that we're going through this because Lord, you've got this. And I'm looking forward to how you're going to work it out and bring yourself glory. And Father, help us to trust. Help us to lay, lay these things at your feet and to walk away. To let them be there. To just leave them there and have the confidence of knowing that he who has begun a good work will complete it. That God, you are able, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just as Daniel, just as David, just as Joseph, just as, and we could go on and on through the Bible characters who knew that you were able to do exceedingly above what they thought. And Father, you're the same God today as you will be in the future as you were in the past. And Father, if that is true, then there's nothing in our lives that you can't handle. So help us to trust you and help us to leave it at your feet and to walk away in thanksgiving and praise in a joyful heart, making melody in our heart because God, we gave it to you. And Lord, because of that, we have a future that is unscripted in our eyes, but completely scripted in yours. And we can follow you to know the way, the truth, and the life. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that it does change lives. It does impact people. And it is alive and working today. And Lord, may we go forth and share the hope that's within us with those that need to hear. For your glory and for their, their benefit. In your name we pray, all God's people said. Thank you.